Hello, welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, coming to you this week from the Californian desert, having reached the halfway point of the first Masters event of the year, the BMP Paribas Open. My name is Gigi Salmon, and coming up on this week's podcast, we look back on some of our favourite interviews from the Indian Wells Tennis Garden in the company of Jill Krabus and special guests, and starting this week with Nicola Perrot, who works with Tennis Canada and with Felix Oje Aliassim, and who spoke about what has impressed him about his young charge. Recently he gained confidence because uh, he's a hard worker so the whole year long he will uh, practice hard but uh, winning the many matches mostly on, on the clay courts build his uh, confidence and uh, all the things that he worked on uh, are now more and more accurate. And I know you, you mentioned the clay, which is great, because I know he specifically played on clay quite a bit last year to improve his game. Is there anything different as a fitness coach that you do when he's playing on the clay versus the hard courts? Of course, yeah, we work on the, on the footwork, all the specificities of uh, the movement on court, on clay courts. But it's also a decision of uh, tennis coaches because it, it builds uh, his, uh, his style of play. And uh, even mentally, it's, uh, it's a very good uh, exercise to, to play tournaments on, on, on clay. So that's the reason why uh, we, we have also uh, clay courts on the, at the National Training Center. So he has been practicing on clay courts for many, many years now. And uh, we also did uh, tournées in Europe, uh, mostly in, in Spain, for example, when he was uh, 15 years old, 16 years old. And I think that, uh, that's very important for, for his game and for the future as well. And just talking about his age in general, because he's, st- I mean, you said 16, he's still only 18 years old, obviously still growing and getting yeah, stronger. Exactly. So for you, like, how do you progress that? Because you don't necessarily know when he's going to grow or anything. Like, how do you focus on that with someone that's growing so young? Uh, we have a fitness test and a medical test yeah. as well, so we can... Uh, monitor uh, as much as we can the, the load and uh, we try to organize uh, as well the, the program of, t- of tournaments but uh, you know sometimes you, you, you do the best and uh, f- there are some injuries but uh, so far it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty good with, uh, with Felix and uh, yeah I think uh, uh, we've, uh, we, we, tr- we try to work as a team uh, with, uh, with the medical staff, with uh, the, the physios, with uh, the tennis coaches as well. And uh, I think uh, we, we do pretty much a, a, go- a good job so far. I guess we should be specific and say Felix Argeliasim. I've been saying Felix just in case so everybody knows who we're talking about yeah, and say yeah. his last name. Okay. Um, but also I was going to say like as far as tournaments because we're here now at the Indian Wells tennis event. A lot of tournaments, most tournaments are a week long except for here, Miami, Indi- um, the Grand Slams. How much does the fitness routine change from a week long tournament to a longer 10 day, two week event? Do you train through the events? Uh, during a tournament, it's it's hard to really have the objective to develop a quality, but we try to maintain all the qualities like uh, endurance, speed, uh, strength. So we do uh, mostly uh, uh, a good warm up, 
and uh, so we are really really sure that when he steps on the court uh, he is fully warmed and uh, we, we have some time during the day like uh, like today we had the day off so he, he could uh, do some speed uh, exercises as well with a change of direction which which is important and uh, changing from clay courts to hard courts uh, it's it was one of the goal to to work on his uh, on his footwork to, to adjust to the specificities of a uh, hard courts and uh, we also have to, to do prehab, which uh, help from uh, injury prevention. And it's one of the parts that we really want to, to address. How long would the workout be today on a day off? Um, it, we, we try to keep uh, one hour before the, the yeah. practice session. So it's maybe 20, 25 uh, minutes for a general warm up. And then we have uh, 40 minutes on one objective and today was the, the speed uh, and after he, he practiced with uh, another player so like one hour so overall it's like uh, one one let's say two hours of, of practice one hour of fitness and one hour of tennis and and obviously fitness is extremely important so on those tournaments where it's just a week long would you do maintenance work even though he might be playing every day yeah yeah as you said it's a maintenance because uh, we have to be careful with uh, because we never know the, the next day uh, how it's going to long and uh, we want him to be fresh uh, but uh, he has to to have to to get the habit to 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 practice every day and uh, for him, he's very ambitious, and I think he's, he's smart as well. So he, he understands the, the importance of uh, practicing every day, have a daily basis. And uh, we try really to, to work on one objective, one goal every day. And maybe tomorrow it's going to be more uh, uh, shoulders prevention, and uh, so because he's going to have a big load on the, on the movement. And uh, we try to change every day depending on the, on the schedule of the matches. And also I'm, I'm curious about um, like Grand Slams in particular, when the guys have to play three out of five sets. Um, obviously, it depends how long the match is and all this other stuff, but how do you prepare for something like that? Because before a Grand Slam, you don't want to do too much to wear them out, but you, then they also have to be prepared to play long five-set matches if, if they need to. How do you balance that? So first, uh, Felix played uh, his first Grand Slam, um, uh, let's say, one, one year ago. He qualified for the U.S. Open. So it's he's uh, new on the circuit, and so it... So far, the, uh, the objective is not to <laughs> to go maybe to the to the final. So we try to 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 keep uh, a good uh, practice session every day, uh, even during the the, the Grand Slam tournament. And um, of course, uh, if you want to be ready to to go far in the in the Grand Slam, you you have to be prepared uh, ahead. So you you really have to have a, a big uh, off season and. Uh, three or four times a year, keep uh, three or four weeks for development of the qualities. And uh, we try to do that uh, when the players get to change the surface, so it can be before the clay season, so that will be after the Miami tournament. And uh, it can be as well uh, in, in the summertime, uh, before to, to, to change from a grass court to hard court. And uh, at the end of the year as well, uh, before to go to Asia, 
sometimes you have two weeks and we can even try to, to develop. Uh, so for a player uh, like uh, for, for Felix, it's very important to keep these this moments in, in the year to, to keep on uh, developing his, uh, his qualities. I read online on your National Tennis Canada training center, there's an opera singer that does breathing exercises. Uh, we were talking about the same uh, exercises uh, when we do, uh, like, let's say, a strength session uh, to have a good core quality, good core activation. Uh, we, we give the tip to, to breathe, to inhale, to exhale at the right moment. And I know that the, the opera singer has got the same uh, tips. If they want to have a, a good core, they, they will have a good uh, voice. Uh, so it was, I think, the, the same objective from uh, as a tennis player. On the, so on can, the can you explain some of these? Extra I mean, it fascinated me, the interview. Um, can you explain some of the exercises? And is it something that you remind Felix of all the time as you're going through your fitness routine? Yeah, yeah. I think for every time that we do core exercises, uh, we try to, to have a, a posture, but we also have to to exhale most of the time during the, the, uh, when you maintain the posture and uh, it's even more important for the, for the woman if you want to, to uh, protect um, uh, all the muscles of the, of the core and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's something that uh, we try to, uh, to really work on uh, during the, the practice session um, and uh, yeah, you can make a link with, uh, with the singers maybe. D does he do any particular breathing exercises during matches? Uh, so far, no. I think <laughs> it, it helps to, to, to focus uh, for sure. It helps to, to recover between points. but. Um, so far, we don't have uh, really a, a routine about that. I think he, maybe he's doing it on his own uh, because uh, I think it's, it's very efficient for sure to, to know how to breathe. Uh, you have to, to know how to, to use this, uh, this technique in between points, uh, even during the changeover. I think you can really see many players uh, uh, during, uh, doing uh, breathing exercises or trying to, to slow down the pace of the heart rate and uh, the emotions as well. I think there is a strong link with a, with a, breath, with a breath. And I, I know coaches and fitness trainers, they look very, you know, three, four or five year plan. What's your goal for Felix as far as developing his fitness continuously for the next few years? I think he, his qualities are pretty solid so far. Uh, he has to, to develop all the qualities. He has to be uh, stronger, faster. Uh, he, has to, he has to have more stamina as well. But we also have um, the, um, the goal to be more efficient, which means that uh, technically he, he has to, to be even more perfect. And um, even uh, mentally, to, as you just mentioned, uh, to, to know how to to maintain uh, a good quality of uh, focus and uh, staying calm during the match, it, it helps a lot to, to maintain the quality of, of play. Well, he's a very exciting player to watch and, you know, a great kid. I've interviewed him a couple times and he's, you know, very nice, very nice guy and it just presents himself really well. So we're all excited about him right now. But um, Nicola, I just want to thank you for taking the time. It's been it's been great chatting with pleasure. you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio and hopefully we can do a part two sometime. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> Best of luck. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, I'm here on the lawn in Indian Wells and I've been lucky enough 
to grab and to be honored sitting next to me is Jared Donaldson, um, American player, obviously here for the Indian Wells Tournament. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for being back with us on ATP Tennis Radio. Thank you. Great to always talk to talk to a good friend and fellow Rhode Islander, Jill. I know. I love that we're both from Rhode Island. I think we need to we need to milk that. Um, anyway, not only back here at Indian Wells, but back playing on the tour because you've just had a seven month period off for a small injury that you had just just talk about you know because you were you were playing really good tennis and unfortunately had the injury started feeling it during Wimbledon last year and I just talked to your trainer and he said you were the one that came up to them and wanted to take that conservative approach and 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 catch that injury early just talk a little bit about what you were experiencing and what made the decision for you to want to stop yeah um so I think at the beginning I was probably a little bit too eager to start playing again. And it's always tricky because I had never really dealt with a significant in injury before. So it's kind of, it's kind of, it was a new experience and a learning experience. I remember I heard at Wimbledon at, before practice and I've had like, you know, some knee pain every player has. And I felt you know, oh, it's only, I'll take a day off or whatever, and it's no big deal. And it was on, it was Saturday before the tournament, so I was obviously playing Monday. And um, so I play, I played my first round, and it, it felt, it didn't, it didn't hurt at the start. And then kind of as the match went on, it started hurting a little bit. And then the, by the third set, it was, it was very noticeable, but I was, you know, playing well and in, in supreme control of the match at that point. And I won my first round, and um, didn't think too much of it. Then the next day during practice, it really bothered me. And um, then obviously during my second round match, I was down two sets to love. And I was thinking maybe should I pull out? But I was like, eh, you know, I'm already down two sets to love. What does it really matter? I'm going to be out here another 20 minutes anyways, right? And then all of a sudden it was two sets all. And at that point, there's no way you can pull out, right? Because I, I was like, I want to win this match. And um, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was up a break in the fifth, and then I didn't win the match. So that was obviously really disappointing. But, um, you know, getting back to kind of the injury. So that was kind of how the injury really unfolded, which is when I really, I think, did most of my damage to it was in that second-round match. And, you know, going back, I thought, oh, you know, let's take a you know day or two off. It's going to be no big deal. It was really painful. Um, and then, you know, a week went by, two weeks went by, and it started feeling a little bit better. I skipped Atlanta, obviously, but I played Washington and Toronto. Washington, it felt fine. When I got to Toronto, it started hurting again. And then at that point, I was like, you know, I'm just going to take as much time as I need because obviously, you know, at this point, a little bit of rest and then playing isn't the answer. And, it, you know, it, it took a while to kind of settle everything down with, through the inflammation and so forth. And, but at a certain point, you know, uh, if I'm not 100% uh, out against these guys, it's going to be tough to compete. So, But now, you know, I've done a lot of good work. Um, I did as much as I could when I was injured. And um, we'll see, how, we'll see how, how it goes, you know. And just talk a little bit about the, the, period, that you had off, the period that you had off. I mean, um, I'm sure you were super eager to play. How tough was that both, um, you know, mentally knowing that you wanted to be out in the court but that you couldn't? How, how, what, do you, what do you do in that time off, and how tough is that mentally to get through the, the, that time? Yeah, uh, for me, I actually, it actually wasn't that bad mentally. You know what I mean? I just kind of felt like, you know, there's nothing I can really do to – to come back any quicker than I than what I'm already doing, if that makes any sense. Like there was nothing more I could do to kind of make myself feel better. It wasn't like I could snap my fingers and all of a sudden I have no pain, right? So I try to do. I mean, I was still playing every day and still going to the gym every day. So 
you know, I was still playing a lot, or not a lot, but doing what I could and so forth. But I just distracted myself with, with other things and other things that I have an interest in and, you know. Such as? Such as, you know, I my friend told me after the US Open, hey, you know, you have an interest in finance, take a junior analyst course. So I was taking, you know, financial modeling and accounting and that sort of, that sort of thing. And to me, that really interests me. And that was... Um, that's what that's what I was spending a bulk of my time. I mean, outside of the tennis, that's what I was spending a bulk of my time doing and learning about. And you know, for me, I just felt I just always felt like, hey, you know, if it's not tennis right now, it will be in the future again. But I can that doesn't that doesn't you know Im, um, d uh, impact me to where I just can't do anything else and so forth. So, but now here now I'm back playing and ready to go. Well, I love that approach because I know some players really struggle with that. So that is a really good perspective to have for you know someone still so young and mm -hmm. to be able to find different interests sure. um let's let's shift uh, here to indian wells you yeah. played delray last beach that was your first tournament back yeah. um and just coming into indian wells like sure. how important it was to get that match under your belt co mm -hmm. coming into the first thousand masters yeah i mean it was really great to be out back uh, to be back out playing um you know it was disappointing that i lost and and um kind of felt like I played actually a really good match from the baseline and so forth and um, I think though that my I don't I think though that this that the stuff that I've done over the past seven months is really gonna pay off and you know through really good results like I do believe that I've never been in a better position to succeed than I am right now and well, I, how why do you feel that because I felt like there last year especially I was really severe my results in my game was really se severely limited by my lack of first serve percentage and I think that I've made a lot of necessary I mean that's what I focused on for seven months in tennis that was like the sole focus and so forth so I think I've really made I've really made some necessary technical adjustments that were extremely necessary and I think that while in that match it didn't showcase itself and, and I think that eventually I will get the execution down and I, it will propel me to the best results I, or in the best you know years that excuse me that 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 I've ever had and so forth so I truly believe that I think in some ways I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life you know what I mean um, or more complete I guess I think probably before I was stronger but I have a broader range of stuff that I worked on in the gym and so forth such as stability that maybe I was lacking beforehand and 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 other things and so I think that I've made a lot of really good changes and, and improvements that will showcase itself at some point and I think through through life and, and especially in tennis you don't necessarily know when they're gonna when you're gonna have that great result or when you're gonna have that great run. I'm sure, obviously, as you know, you think sometimes I think, oh man, I'm playing so great and practice for the tournament, and you go out and you lose first round and get killed, and there's no worse feeling. And then other times you feel like you can't hit the broadside of a barn before the tournament, and you go out and play an amazing tournament. So you never really know, but I think that the important thing is to have a really positive, you know, attitude and mentality and. If you keep fighting, you it will happen. You know the switch will click, and that's what I that's what I believe. Especially because a lot of the guys that I was competing against before I got hurt, you know, Sitsipas, who obviously that's who I hurt my that's who I really hurt my knee against. So I watched that match at Wimbledon. That was an incredible match against Sitsipas. Yeah. So you know, there you go. I was. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, and 
and that and you know a lot there are some certain matches that are really frustrating i would say there have been two in my in my life that have been really really frustrating and just i'll never forget and have never sat right with me obviously that match because i truly felt like i was going to beat him you know what i mean like i truly entering that fifth set i said i got him and i broke him in the first game of the fifth and then and lo and behold he he beat me so in that so that match and then obviously uh two years ago at the U.S. Open, losing to Puyi. It was a similar thing. I was down two sets to love. I got back to a fifth, and I I thought there was no way I was going to lose the match. And much like everything you say, no way something can happen, obviously it can. So, But I think those are really great learning experiences, and he's gone on to play amazing tennis. Both guys have, obviously. So I really think that, you know, I was close before, and I've improved so much that I think I'm even closer now. And, and those, it's interesting because those are the matches that stay with you, but somehow those are the ones you almost have to uh, overcome the most. And and so what exactly do you say, your, say to yourself? I mean, you said, you know, you view it as a learning experience. Is there anything else that you remind yourself of in those situations? Um, I mean, I just think, like, it's motivation. You know, like, I literally, there's not a practice that goes by literally where I don't think of those matches. You know, I couldn't, I probably could tell you with greater accuracy everything that went on in those matches than some of my biggest wins you know what I mean it's kind of funny how that stuff stays with you but you know it's used as motivation it's also used that kind of I think because I think because I played um, Stefanos eight months earlier in, in a 250 in Chengdu China and I barely beat him um, in three sets and I felt like he improved a tremendous amount, obviously, you know what I mean? He improved a tremendous amount. And I thought that was really interesting to see because what he had kind of worked on and what he was doing differently compared to eight months ago. And so I think it's interesting to see that stuff too, like how your other players on tour who are playing really well, what, what they kind of do. And it's one thing that it's harder to see on TV or in matches, but when you really are out there playing, you get a greater grasp of what's, what they're actually doing differently. So that's always interesting also. And so you take a lot of motivation from these other guys that have improved tremendously, obviously, like Sitsipas. Sure. You now have brought on a new member of your team, a new mm -hmm. coach, Robbie mm -hmm. Ginepri, who we know very well, just uh, recently coached uh, Francis Tiafo, but now yeah. on your team. Yeah. Um, how did that relationship come about, and what do you feel like he can bring to your game? Um, well, I don't know if it's necessarily what he can bring to my game, but I think you know he's more learning from me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Jared. Nice. With a little wink. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just I'm just joking. But I think, um, you know, it was interesting how it, how, how it came about. Um, obviously, um, the USTA kind of recommended me to him, and I was already kind of... And, and I think that um, I talked to Robbie on the phone originally, and I really thought that f philosophically what he said about tennis kind of resonated with me because that's exactly how I think about tennis also. So I think that that's always interesting when philosophically and how both uh, two people see the game is very similar. I think, Can you give some examples? Yeah. So I felt like he, he, what he saw my game as, which was being very aggressive, taking time early, you know, playing attacking type tennis from the baseline and so forth was extremely similar to how, to how, to general, general overview. That's not, you know, it's obviously not all that he said, but I thought that that was very similar to how I kind of view tennis and how I view my game, that I want to be on the top, on top of the baseline, taking the ball early and moving guys around. And 
kind of as a side note, but I thought that that's what Stefanos had done, had improved a real lot compared to when I played him eight months ago. That is, he was playing on the baseline, more aggressive, taking the ball earlier. That was a sidebar, but I think that that's really the key to tennis. And I thought when he when when he was saying that stuff, that really resonated with me because I thought that I saw I thought things very similar. Well, awesome. Jared, we're so happy to have you back on the tour. Really welcome back, and we're happy to watch you play again. But best of luck here at Indian Wells, and we look forward to seeing you on the court. And thanks for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. Thanks, Jill. I appreciate it. Well, I'm sitting up in the Upstairs Players Lounge, and I'm happy to be joined by Prajnesh Gunaswaran. Prajnesh, thank you so much for joining us on ATP Tennis Radio. Thank you, no problem. And I'm, I was actually I'm really excited to talk to you because I was reading a little bit about your story from the past and just 29 years old now, but you made your Grand Slam debut in Australia, qualified, and Grand uh, Thousand Masters debut here. I mean, that's quite an effort and such a good comeback from some struggles that you had with injuries. Just talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's really impressive to me and, and just what it took, how tough it was to come back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's definitely quite a story. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't play for nearly five years, and I had to really stay patient and find a way to you know persevere. And I'm really glad that I'm you know finally here, better late than never. And uh, yeah, uh, I hope that I continue to you know um, have good results like this and keep going forward. I mean, how tough it was when you say be patient. Like, how tough was that mentally to try and really just uh, you know spur yourself on and just keep going and keep fighting back I think in the beginning it was okay because I felt like okay I'll be I'll be ready in a couple of months and then that kept going months turned into years and then obviously eventually I was ready to throw in the towel I, I did try to find uh, ways to cope you know saying okay maybe I should re- live my regular life because I couldn't really do what regular athletes do and I did that for some time but then I obviously eventually always wanted to you know I just came back to the tennis court and it was really tough. I did uh, play a couple of times where I tried to go. I went up to about 400 twice and then I stopped all over again. So it was definitely very demanding mentally. And I'm lucky that I've had um, good financial uh, backing from my parents. Uh, so it allowed me to sort of continue to, um, you know, wait to see if I could fix my injuries because most people wouldn't have had that opportunity. So I'm lucky that way. And, and how long did it take to get over that injury that you had? It was a stress fracture, right, in your knee? Yeah, uh, I kept getting recurring stress fractures. So it wasn't that one time and, you know, it just never really, I could never really fix it. So every time I took rest and I came back, did rehab, but never went away. And, uh, yeah, I think it was nearly five years. So, and then eventually I got back to playing tournaments, but it also took me another couple of years to really have the conditioning and level that I had before when I stopped. So... I lost a lot of time, but I'm pretty glad that I'm here now. And another impressive feat as well as you just broke the top 100 as well. I mean, that's a lot of players' goals is to break through. Obviously, further goals now to keep continuing that progress. Just talk about what it meant to you to finally break that top 100. Well, it's definitely a big deal, uh, especially for me coming from India. Uh, we haven't had a, a lot of players do that in the past. I think only a handful. And uh, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't even think about it when I was getting close. I was sort of more focused on uh, improving and doing well at the challenger level, which is where I was playing. And then as I started to get closer, I was like, oh, you know, there's something, there's like a, not, not a finish line, but I could see one of the targets or milestones that I had set at some point in my life. And uh, yeah, uh, 
but luckily I didn't have too much of a hiccup getting there. I did it pretty quickly and that's good for me because I feel like otherwise would have been a battle to say, okay, I'm 110, I want to really crack top 100 and I just got there quickly. So now I'm, that's done and out of the way. So now I can focus on bigger goals. And, and what are those bigger goals for the rest of the year? Uh, I would like to uh, crack top 50 this year if possible. Uh, of course, that's uh, not going to be very easy. But if I can have some big results in tournaments of this level, that's definitely possible. And I think I'm putting myself in a position now to be in more Grand Slam main draws. So then I do have an opportunity to maybe get some, uh, you know, a lot more points at that level. Uh, we'll see. I also want to really make sure that I stay inside the top 100 at the end of the year. It allows me to start playing more tour events and playing bigger tournaments next year. So, yeah. And just last question, just talk about you're now the number one singles player from India. Just talk about, you know, the inspiration that you can bring to your home country. And you talk to, you know, you have fe f other fellow Indian players, Bambri, Ramanathan, Bopana. Just talk about how you guys um, feed off each other and the inspiration you can bring back home. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I hope that, you know, people back home who play tennis are watching this. And uh, it's, I think, uh, important to see that if I can do it at this age, then, you know, Everybody has a really good chance and you just have to do the right things, have the right support system and work hard and believe. And yeah, I, we do have a bunch of good players right now, Yuki, Ramkumar, Bopana. And, you know, we all, when we were at the tournaments, I mean, Bopana was there throughout the match today. So it definitely helps. And uh, yeah, I think we have a good bunch of guys and we all support each other. Well, I'm sitting in the Upstairs Players Lounge, and I'm happy to say joining me now is Misha Zverev on ATP Tennis Radio. Misha, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. So just talk a little bit about, first of all, I want to focus on your first title last year. I know it was a while ago, but for me, I just watched, rewatched the video of you winning, and it was a very emotional time, especially at 30 years old. Can you just talk about um, that moment for you and how much that meant to you? Um, as yeah, as you just said, it was very emotional because um, I've I've done things which I didn't think of, you know, doing like you know reaching the quarters, not beating world number one, and then I I always wanted to you know finish my career with at least a title, and then um, especially with all the injuries I had, with the uh, left uh, wrist surgery that I had, I dropped to 1100 in the world, and then you know coming back from that and. Like I said, beating the world number one, reaching the quarters of a slam and, you know, topping it off with a title. That was um, just incredible, especially because, you know, a few months before I got married, like my wife was there, she was pregnant and it was, it was very, very special. Even now, thinking back, you know, I, I almost get I almost get teary eyes because like it was it was really something emotional. Yeah, it's, I'm, unfortunately, this is radio, but I wish people could understand yeah. just the look on your face. You look so happy just yeah. re reworking those memories in your head. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, you just got married and having that support with you um, throughout your career. Um, it's, it's nice to, you know, travel across the world, see so many interesting and beautiful and nice places and be able to share it with really the people you love the most. And this is my family, my parents, my brother. Um, our little dog is there and then now like my wife and, and my son so that's, that makes it even more special and, and honestly I don't want to quit playing and traveling because it's just every week is, is different every week is like unique and um, 
it's really it's hard to describe because you know when when you travel by yourself you get homesick you want to come home you want to see your friends you want to you know just just be in one place for more than a week but now it's it's just every week i'm like like i said last week we were in acapulco which is unbelievable indian wells i love it here we have so many friends and it's such a nice facility it's a nice place it's you know beautiful weather and you know and once we're done here we're going to move on and fly to miami so it can it feels like it can't get better but um yeah it's it's just really unique and it's it's so nice that you, you're there with the people you love the most. And just talking about Acapulco last week, you won the doubles event with your brother Sasha, and you guys obviously played each other for the first time ever last year in Washington. Um, just talk about that dynamic and how much it means to you to have him on the road. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but also to be on the court with him on the doubles court. Yeah, when I was actually at my lowest um, after his surgery, he was the one that was, you know young and kind of naive and he was the one saying like look you can you can go back to being top 100 you can go back to playing your best tennis and like just believe in it like don't worry about all the all the oh, don't worry about life basically like just just focus on what you do what you love love the most is playing and then you'll be back uh, be back playing great tennis again and, and I was the one saying like yeah right Sash we'll, we'll see what's gonna happen and um, but somehow I was you know I, I kind of believed him I, I just listened to him and um, and in the beginning, I just wanted to be the best possible hitting partner for, for him. And then and that's why I trained hard. I, I played and I enjoyed it. And then you know, once I was kind of like competing and practice with him, and I, was, I felt like, look, I'm actually not playing that badly. And, um, and then I could go on court and play tournaments and play matches. And, and I felt like, look, I'm actually doing okay. I'm playing well. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, also when I came back from surgery he was the one that was like already on tour playing really well so we were traveling together because before that I was kind of like traveling by myself he was still playing junior tennis and um, things changed and then since then just the family grew grew and we got a dog I got a wife I got a baby so now it's uh, it's just bigger and better and can you touch a little bit more specifically on what both of you and Sasha have learned from each other as far as your experiences on the court in, in tennis and on the court or off the court um, yeah, I'm 10 years older, so I've, I've done a few things that, um, uh, like, I've done them, like, when I was 20, 21, 22, so now I can kind of, it was 10 years ago, but still was not, um, it was, it's still there in the memory bank, you know, so, like, I try to tell them like, what it feels like when you go through up and downs, and, and the emotions, I can relate to it, and, I, and sometimes I can just be his friend, or I, I try to be his friend, his brother, sometimes just give him advice and sometimes just leave him alone and like make sure that everybody else leaves him alone because it's normal to you know go through different phases in your life as a human being and and as an athlete so um i i like to think that i've helped him in some situations and if i did then i'm just happy for that and um on the other side he's he's the one that has this young and and positive attitude that helps me because when you're older you you start to worry about more about the the things that can go wrong instead of the things that you know can can happen in, in your advantage so and he's the one that helped me to just to think positively and and look forward and like you know see the world with a smile and just see what's happen what happens and then and then just focusing on you here in Indian Wells um, you know now in your lower 30s 31 but a lot of players I mean now that's you still have you could have 10 more years cool. ahead of you <laughs> well a lot of players are playing longer yeah. and so what do you feel like do you feel like you have a lot longer to play what are your goals for this year and what are you looking to improve yeah I think players spend maybe a little bit less time on the court like practicing certain things like drills and all that and they spend more time literally in the gym off the court trying to rehab trying to get stronger and stay healthy and 
that um, forces the change, I think, in, in tennis because so many players are actually really, really, really fit at age like 33, 34. And, and it's almost like the young ones need more time to catch up because, you know, when Rafa started playing at age like 17, 18, he were, I think we're already saying that, look, he's fitter and better shape than the guys that are like 25, 26, 27. And now um, it, they, I, th I feel like Rafa especially set that trend where like, People really try to be strong and fit and fast and, you know, have good stamina and last long in matches. And, and now everybody tries to catch up and do the same thing. And that's why I think people can play at, a, at an age that's like 32, 33 and, and be fit and like play five set matches and outlast maybe the young ones. Well, I'm sitting on the lawn and I'm happy to be joined on ATP Tennis Radio with Rob Steckley, coach of Hi, Dennis Shapovalov. Yeah. Rob, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. We've known each other for a very long time. Very so long time. I've been looking forward to this interview. And you know what? It's it, it, it's funny because now you put a mic in front of us and it's like <laughs> there's this awkwardness that will become a beautiful thing, I think. No, there's no awkwardness at no, all. No. We're just super I'm cash. Kidding, I'm yeah. Um, so you just got off the court, practice court yeah, with you, Dennis. You, a little bit, it's okay. A little bit longer practice than expected. Yeah, well, um, we actually got an opening for the second great. hour. Yeah, because, you know, it's tricky here with the, you know, you can only book one hour and then we got to come back and then you you can't plan anything. So today we got lucky because there was an open court right afterwards and somebody was looking to play points, so we just continued. So is, is Dennis the type of guy that likes to have that extra time on the court, likes yeah. to practice a lot, likes to hit a ton of balls? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's in the the process of learning still you know so it it's uh, it's just a challenge just to make sure that he gets enough tennis in him so he has the confidence that he needs going into the matches and stuff um, but as you go you know you know you figure your way out through the tour and then it's uh, uh, it just becomes a little you become a little more flexible so you don't need as many but right now like I said just uh, I think for his belief and confidence he just has to you know continue to just believe in, in strikes and balls. Actually, I actually want to talk to you about that because, um, you know, he ha he's such a talented player. He has so many tools. So you guys just started working together last September, and your very experienced coach was on the WTA with Safarova for a while. And to take on a younger guy like this that has so much talent, like, how do you kind of structure that, knowing that he's capable of so much? Like, how do you start and, and progress slowly so actually things go in the right direction? Well, you know, I mean, that's a good question. You know, that's probably the, the million-dollar question. Um, yeah, for, I mean, I'd like to start off by saying it, w it was a challenge that I gladly accepted. Um, it was a challenge that I think I was looking for for the last several years. Um, you know, I'd always been working with players like you said, like Safarova, and, and, and more experienced veterans. Um, so the process wasn't quite like this. Uh, so there's a lot to tackle. So you just kind of have to sit down with the team and, and evaluate and start, you know, making a plan and, and, and which are the goals. You know, you, you obviously want to maintain ranking and, and kind of progress through that and keep moving up through the ranks. But at the same time, you need to find what is important, what's going to get you long-term wealth, you know. And um, I think that's what we, we set out at the beginning. Um, you never know, you know. That's, that's the thing about tennis is it, it's, you know, where's, where's the reward going to take place? And, and I think the most valuable thing that um, I've been learning with this process is, is trying to have everybody on the team understand that 
we don't know when it's going to strike, but as long as we're working with, uh, you know, the intention on the process and we're not worried too much about everything, um, I think, you know, the ship sails in the right direction. So I think that's the tricky part about working with somebody that's so young. Uh, you know, I've done it many times so to speak and you know I've been playing and I come from all the background so you just know that you have time it's going to click you don't know when just stick to the process um, and make sure the formula works it's you know you're winning more matches than you're losing that's the most important but not to expect too much because I think that's where the message gets lost and that's where the confusion starts and and trying to simplify that equation is, is something I'm I'm learning as I go you know it's but um, yeah, I think we're on the right track. It's just time. Yeah, so, so it brings up a, a couple things now for me. Um, one, what you touched on is, you know, a young player, you know, has so much talent and so much that he can add to his game. Um, what were the couple things that you knew right away that you wanted to start with in order to improve his game? First thing for it was his serve. You know, um, I know that they had changed the serve a little bit uh, toward mid last season and they were making some technical changes which made sense trying to uh, close the racket face but um, the percentage went off so right away you know his natural motion was taken away from him which changed the way he had to think out on the court because he wasn't winning any free points anymore which kind of took away from the confidence and staying on top of the baseline so I think that's what we tackled first is putting a little bit of longer motion back fluid motion um, and we've seen the numbers go up and 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 now it's it's uh, you know another thing we tackled was just learning to stay with some patience in the rallies now this is the tricky part because um, this is counterproductive so to speak in the sense that his game is based around playing so fast and flashy right but this is where you know you have to understand you could be I don't want to say taking a step backwards but we're adding so you're not going to see I think the best way to put it is instant success like the surf right so we wanted to put a little bit more of the footwork um, and being able to stay in the rallies which now I think around this time of year is where you want to start to tackle mid-court game which we've been working on the right. volleys I mean we've been we've been legit talking and touching upon everything but um, yeah just seeing the value and I see it in practice but just being able to uh, have it go through the match. You you are just on that phone. Well, I've got to pay attention to the scores, Rob. Yes. Got to pay attention well, to professional. everybody. Yeah, I like but that. I'm I'm totally engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I is the communication that you brought up, and I know you've been brought into the team just last September, and I know um, Dennis's mother travels with him full time, and so was. How does that work? Is like the communication, like that's such an important role for a support team around a player. Mm -hmm. um, so just the fact that, just talk about a little bit about making sure you're being open and um, just amongst the whole team together, how important that is. Communication is key, yeah. you know? And I think I've been learning as I go because I mean, this team is, is definitely the biggest I've, I've had the pleasure of working with. Um, but it comes, it, you know, comes with um, its challenges. So everybody has to be on the same team. And like I said, I think more, more veteranized 
uh, group will have the experience. This one, there's a lot of voices, you know, and, and everybody's trying to, to steer the ship in the right direction. So I think making sure everybody's, you know, cued on, on what the goals are and, um, and what the message is and, and clearly, you know, what are we setting out? I think it's day by day, week by week, you know. You got to be on, on, on par with everything all the time so there's no confusion, you know. And the other thing I wanted to touch on is you're a huge video guy, super talented. I've heard from people that are actually in the industry, oh, yeah? video industry, that this is their life, and yet they they look up to you with what you do on the video. And I think I read an article as well that it's brought a lot out of Dennis, that he's gotten a little bit more open about this, mm -hmm. a, bit, a little bit more creative. Yeah. Just talk about how you got into that and how you've been able to sort of get Dennis to open up and, and be a little bit more free. You know, okay, funny enough, I mean, I've had the pleasure of working with some athletes that were identical to me, but I was misled, misguided. Um, I was a creative kid. I was also in, somewhat of an introvert, but extrovert at heart. I can't picture that. Yeah. <laughs> but I was extremely shy. So so the creative side, I'd always had these visions and ideas, and, and but I was told to focus. If you're not serious, you're, you know, you're, you're daydreaming. And so over the years, I found that it's actually something that I'm passionate about. And it's a thing, right? Before it was like you're goofing around. Then I later found out in university. That's I, cool. I, it's actually... <laughs> Yeah, I li people do this for a living. They do film, so that's what it turned into. And and um, I think just in the case with with Dennis, you know, it's just a a a great way to distract players from you know the noise that you know comes with the territory. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, and there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. So on days that you have the time and you're able to experience you know a little bit of fun it, it goes a long way so have you seen a difference in Dennis since, since well, I think you 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 know you hit it right on the the nose so to speak uh -huh. is is uh, the openness yeah you know because as he, he he ventures in into you know more years out on tour if you're if you're close it's really tough and it's hard to not just be yourself so I think that you know by being himself he's a very creative kid you know and and I'd like to just set the record straight there's a science to being able to do videos and and what seems like you know it might take forever I mean it really is like on days off you know when people normally would be sitting watching TV we might go do something creative so at the end of the day it's all tennis you know if it's a pie it's you know the, the entire 95% is tennis but we find that little 5% that kind of looks to the untrained eye like you know it's it, it's something more than it is but you know the important thing is, is that it, it helps his tennis it's not distracting how does it help his tennis would you just say just relaxing him relaxing. you know yeah because you know he's just a very high energetic person mm -hmm. and he's trying to find the balance right now so if it's all too serious you know then the road becomes overwhelming so I think that that's, that's what's helped, you know, it's, it, it gives them an extra week or two, so to speak, on those seven-week tours, and it's like, I can do this, I can survive, rather than saying, I gotta go home, you know, so. 
Yeah. That's and great. I, I appreciate it. I can the, see it. I can see the passion. The yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It just, I wanted you to know that people are talking about it and, and they praise it for sure. Um, and just a couple questions about the tournament in general. I know he's playing singles and doubles. Probably won't play singles until Sunday, Sunday. I think. Um, plays the winner of Fritz and Johnson. Um, thoughts going into that match and also um, just, you know, the reason of playing doubles here. Obviously, probably to get extra matches and but just well, your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to sharpen up his volley. So, you know, we're trying to add, like I said, you know, mid-court and net game uh, because he's such an ex- explosive uh, player. He creates so much opportunity that moving forward is key for him. So just getting himself involved in doubles so you can you work on just simple things, return, serve, volleys. And, and I mean, that's, you know... The, uh, the idea behind playing and, and playing a little bit of match play and, and extra matches just to work on those things. Um, yeah, and the match coming up, it's going to be tough. They're all tough. You know? Yeah, they're all tough. Especially, yeah. you know, when you get a buy and, and, and you're, you're waiting for somebody, they're going to have a match under the belt. So I think the key is just to now start to ramp things down a little. We've hit enough balls. So when Sunday comes around, he'll uh, hopefully be ready to go. And I, did, I actually thought of one thing else I wanted to ask you because Safarova was a lefty. Yeah. And now you've, you know, Dennis is a lefty. Did that experience working with Safarova as a lefty kind yeah. of help you? Yeah, yeah, because before that I had no experience working with a lefty. So the challenge with her was, I mean, learning also that personality, um, how to deal with somebody that, um, you know, pulls the, the trigger so quick, doesn't want to stay in, in, in um, the rallies, doesn't believe they can stay in the rallies. That's what, you know, we faced... Those were the challenges, um, but she had such a wide range of weapons. So it was just learning that you don't need all the weapons all the time, just learning the certain plays and stuff. And so lefties create such uh, opportunity because, you know, there's not as many of them. So learning the mindset of a uh, What do you mean lefty, there's not as many of them? On like the mature, like lefty, Oh, right, and how do they create those lefties. opportunities? With well, you know, they're opening up the, the opposite side, right? So... So they, you know, you, you get them into uncomfortable positions where they're usually generally hit, striking their backhands and opening up their forehand sides, and and uh, these types of plays are the opposite of what players are are f- facing on a daily basis. Um, so just getting super disciplined and dialed in on those patterns and really understanding the value of what happens after you open up the court, and uh, yeah, and, and simplifying everything. So that's that's also what we're working with Dennis is just understanding you don't need all of the tools every single unless you play Roger, Rafa, Djokovic. <laughs> you know, like that's when you really kind of need the entire package. But that's where Dennis is right now is is understanding you know first round, second round just building the momentum and getting to where he'll need all of those weapons, but starting the tournament at a little bit more patient and at ease, you know, like that's tennis, you know, obviously, you know, you're a great player. I watched your, your last match, actually. I was there. Didn't you play Lucy? My last match was at the U S open. Yeah, I know. And I was there. Uh, Didn't you play Lucy? I did. I played losing doubles. Right? That's, That's why it. you were there. Because I remember. That's yeah, you, right. It was an emotional time. And I, they had no idea why I was bawling. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I knew. I knew. came over to me and hugged I, me, yeah, and yeah. you knew. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I knew. Oh, I knew. And I, I, that's why I wasn't clapping once in that match because oh I didn't. Oh my God, that's so sweet. Yeah, thanks, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But no, that was great. Yeah, you know. And you know what? I always say I'm glad that I lost his, uh, two players that were extremely nice. Yeah. I like those two players a lot. I know. Lucy was that, great. You, you've you've gotten lucky with players. I have. Safrov and now Dennis. I've yeah. already told you he's one of my favorite players yeah. in Australia this mm -hmm. year. He is so. one of my favorite. Well, he is yeah. my favorite. Yeah. And I'm excited for you. So. Thanks. I'm, I'm really. Thank you so much for yeah, joining no, 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 us no, no. on ATV Tennis yeah, Radio. Thanks. It's been it's yeah, been great. Hopefully we can chat. So anytime. soon. My door is open. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thank you very much to Jill Krabus and her guests. That is it from this week's ATP Tennis Radio podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, but don't forget that our live ball-by-ball -ball commentary from the BNP Paribas Open, that continues on the 24-7 ATP Tennis Radio channel, which you can get via the Listen button on the ATP Tour website or by searching ATP Tennis Radio on TuneIn. We go on air 30 minutes before play starts every day, and once we have a winner in the Californian desert, our attention will turn to my Miami as we complete the sunshine swing. And don't forget that new this year tournament long commentary on a number of the 500 level events starting with Barcelona. Please do get in touch. We love to hear from you via Twitter or Instagram. You can use the handle at ATP Tennis Radio or alternatively you could email us studio at atptennisradio.com with your predictions and questions. And if you are listening to this podcast via the Apple Podcast app and you have a few spare minutes, then we would really love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. Enjoy the tennis. Bye for now.